especially with this lesson, certainly uh, makes me take heed to myself and to my thoughts and the way I go about my life. And certainly makes, I hope it certainly makes y'all take heed as well. Uh, as I was studying for this lesson, I, I actually uh, came across uh, an article by somebody, I can't remember, but the title of it was called Possessed by Our Possessions. And that's what we're kind of going to be looking at today. And, and how do we properly view our stuff and not getting so caught up and uh, being controlled by the stuff that we had? Because certainly if we do get caught up in these goods, these material possessions that we have, uh, it's not going to work out for us. It's, it's an indicator of a carnal mind. And we know in, car in, in Romans chapter 8 that a carnal mind is an enmity with God. And so it is very important that we don't get so caught up in our stuff. And so we'll begin at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. It says, We love him because he first loved us. Now I would say that if it is not the foundation, it is one of the foundations of Christianity, and that is love. Love is one of the foundations of Christianity. But as we go on through in verse 20 and 21, if you read that, you notice that loving God or claiming that we may claim that we love God, but actually loving God is not possible if we hate our brother. Now, we have to understand that uh, our loving brother and our loving our brethren and loving God are intertwined uh, together. And when we think about that love that is extended towards our brethren, that is a love that goes beyond any type of ill will, any type of bitterness. And when we think about it, it is exactly the same type of love that, God's extend, that God extends to us. We see that in John chapter 3 and verse 16, reading Romans as well, that while we were even, even enemies of God, that He gave His Son for us, that He so loved the world that He gave His Son for us. And so that type of love... Uh, it goes beyond any type of bitterness, goes beyond any type, of, any type of ill will. And we see that God was willing to do what is necessary uh, for us to be right with Him, even going well beyond uh, what He, what, you know, what he would, uh, should do. Uh, he, should, he should, probably should have left us uh, to our own devices, but we see that love that He extended for us. And it is a love that wants the best for all people. Uh, and, and not only just wanting that, feeling that, but actually acting on that as well. And so when we think about that, we know in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, it says uh, that, if, that, if, uh, if, that we ought to walk just as, we, as He has walked. If we claim that we abide in Him, we ought to walk just as He walked. And we have to understand if we choose to serve Him, we must strive to attain the same attributes that He has. And so we, that love that He extends for us, then we ought to strive. That is a tall order uh, for us. But we need to strive to love as He did. And that means wanting the best for people and then acting on that. Well, how do, how is that, how do we apply that? We may, can talk about that all day, but how do we apply that? Well, if, if we have brethren who are in sin... Uh, brethren that have fallen away, then we do all that we can do physically and biblically. We know that there are standards that we have to hold to in dealing with that, but that means doing whatever we can to try to get them to repent, to try to turn uh, back to God. 
And also, if we see people that do not know Christ, what does that mean? It means we want, to become, want them to become Christians and that we should share the gospel. We should do whatever we want, try to do whatever we can to try to share the gospel with them. And so, as we uh, go on with that, we, we, we have to understand that uh, we have this standard set for us uh, by God that we have to strive to be, try to obtain those same attributes uh, that He has. And we understand in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, I believe this is uh, setting our priorities. This is uh, Jesus talking specific about uh, the greatest commandment. He said, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, it's in Luke chapter 10, I believe, that uh, talking about the same uh, conversation that Jesus tells the person who asked him this question, that if you do this, he says, do this and you will live. And so here we can understand that not only we shall love the Lord our God with all our, with our heart, all your soul, and all your mind, but it also means not just feeling that, it means acting on it. It means acting those things out. Now, we have to understand as well that this is dealing with the old law, but this is certainly not just something that is specific to uh, the Old Testament. We see in 1 John chapter 5, in verses 2 through 5, it says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so again, our commitment to God, our love for God, and obedience to God those things cannot be separate. Now, we, I know that there are many in the world that say that they love God, but they continue to live in disobedience. Well, well, they're simply wrong in that. We cannot say that we love God and continue to live in disobedience to Him. We have to understand that God determines, sets that standard who loves Him. And this is, and it says in verse 3, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And so that is the standard for who loves God, and those two things, love and obedience to Him, cannot uh, be separated. Also, if we go to Romans chapter 6 and verse 16, Romans chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Now, Paul is writing this, and I want to make the point that we can, we can look at somebody and see who their master is by their actions. If somebody is, if a person is continuously living in sin, we can understand that sin is their master. Or we know that somebody is continuously living righteous, righteously, living according to God's word. We know that ultimately God is their master. And going along, uh, with that thought is in Matthew chapter 7 in verses 16 through 20. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 through 20. He's, Jesus says, You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire. Therefore, by their fruits... You will know them. And so here we have that, a, a, that a, it says every good tree bears good fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, but notice that a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So when we think about that, if we're 
continuously uh, having that bad fruit. We're living in sin. We're living in disobedience. Well, what does, what does God say about that? What does Christ say about that? It says that if we do not bear good fruit, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. Now, again, we have a lot of people that talk about, you know, that we have deep discussions about uh, how, does, how does works relate or don't relate to our salvation? How do they play into that? Now, uh, we can have that discussion, but we need to be clear that Christ right here is saying that our works affect where we're going to end up. If, we don't, if we're not bearing good fruit, if we're living in disobedience, if we're bearing bad fruit, what's, what's going to happen? We're going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. So again, we have to be clear that what the fruit that we bear does impact our salvation. Again, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, uh, Christ is clear that we cannot serve uh, two masters. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so, we cannot love the mammon, love the world, love the wealth of the world, and then claim to love God. Uh, there is no fence straddling in the kingdom. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, I, I this, I thought this was interesting, but this is, it says, Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, uh, follow him. But the people answered him, Not a word. And I always thought this was interesting because, in essence, the people really did make a choice. They did not want to wholeheartedly serve God. And we have to understand as well that if we do not wholeheartedly serve God, we're just kind of in the middle. We're just kind of... Well, we're not going to completely serve God, but we're not going to do all this stuff the world does. We still have made a choice, and our choice is that we have decided to serve the world. We decided uh, to serve sin. Uh, this is a song. Some of you may know this band. It's called Rush. They're a band from the 70s and 80s, still making music. But they had this song that says, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. And this is really, in essence, what this is. If we're, we may think that we're not making a choice, that we're just going to keep living life and just, you know, keep out of both sides. We're, going to, we're not going to go uh, too extreme in following God, but we're not going to go too extreme in following the world. Well, you still have made a choice, and, you, and you've, you're following the world, and you're following sin, and you need to repent and turn back to God and wholeheartedly serve Him. And so... When we think about those material possessions or being in control or being controlled by our possessions, we have to understand it is a very serious aspect and it is something that deserves a serious thought by us. Now, with God's help, we can, we can have control over these things and not be tempted by, these, by the world's goods, but we have to be vigilant uh, constantly in, in quenching those uh, or, 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 or curbing uh, those desires and temptations. Now this is a problem and we have to understand that many of us are, uh, be, are controlled by our desires. Many Christians are controlled by our desires and these pleasures of this world. But I want to give one example of, I think is a great example of Christians who have even if they were, uh, did not have a lot, that they were willing to give up, those, the things that they did have meant nothing to them in regards to the advancement of the kingdom. And that's with the, uh, that's with the churches of Macedonia in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 1 through 9. 
Let me get there. Second Corinthians chapter eight and verses one uh, through nine. And so, so the churches of Macedonia here they were giving to the uh, church in Jerusalem. And so, if we get there, Second Corinthians chapter eight and verses one through nine. One through nine. Just notice who these people were as we're reading this. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much, much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and that you through his poverty might become rich. So we notice that the Macedonians in these few verses, and in verse 2, it says they were in deep poverty. They didn't have a lot to begin with. But what did they do? It says that they gave joyfully in verse 2. It says, in the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. And notice also that in verse 3, it says, For I bear witness that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they were freely willing to give. So they not only were they just willing to give, but they were willing to give beyond uh, their ability. They were willing to go above and beyond what was necessary for them to give. Now notice that in verse 5, it says, And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. And so I think that it's important to note here that those who have given themselves to the Lord, fully to the Lord, they're not going to hold anything back for the advancement of the kingdom. And we see the sincere love that the, that the Macedonians have. And they were thinking about the good that they could do for their brethren. They were thinking about the good that they could do for God, not worrying about their possessions. Now, we understand that we have to uh, fulfill our needs and, 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 and eat and all that stuff. But notice here that they were willing to give beyond their ability uh, for God and for the brethren, and they weren't worried about any type of repercussions they may face uh, if they may be uh, may have lacked anything. Maybe, and they weren't worrying about uh, their possessions and what would become of them. And so, I think it is a great example for us uh, with these uh, Macedonians and how we view our stuff, our material possessions. Uh, what are, are we willing to hold those things back? Uh, even if those, uh, if, even if those things could be used for the advancement of the kingdom. Now, going on towards our attitude towards these things, uh, notice that in James chapter one and verse seventeen, James chapter one and verse seventeen, it says, "Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning." Now. Notice here that every good gift, everything, every good gift ultimately comes from the Father. He is the gift giver. And we had better be careful that, that getting so wrapped up in the gift and the stuff that we don't forget the gift giver. Ultimately, everything comes from God himself. And how do we, knowing this, how do we not get, continuously give him thanks for these blessings, knowing that ultimately those things come from him? 
and have him constantly in our mind thanking him for all those things he has given us. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26, again, how do we, uh, what, how, do, how do our desires, how do our wants compare to uh, what God wants for us? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, first and foremost, we must be willing to deny ourselves. Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This means love of fame, love of fortune. Uh, we should strive to continuously, again, continuously live uh, for God. That He, it, all our desires, all our wants, they get pushed to the side, uh, and we fill that, and we fill that void with God's wants, what God wants for our lives, what God has commanded us to do. Now, uh, you notice in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 that Peter writes that we have already spent enough time uh, living in our, sin, in, our, in our sin, and ultimately what does that profit us in the grand scheme of things? Absolutely nothing. Those things, all the gold or whatever we could have, those things right away eventually. And so, and going back to Matthew chapter 16, we have to understand that, uh, that uh, the value of a soul is much more than the world can offer anything that we can receive from that. In verse 26, it says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, there is nothing in the world uh, that, can, that can compare to the worth of a soul. And we think about that is how important is our, is our souls to ourselves? Are we, is, do we understand that our soul, can we comprehend the fact that our soul is worth so much more than anything that the world can offer? And how about other souls? Do we understand the value of other people's souls and we strive to let them know uh, the gospel, let them know that they could have eternal life? And so continuing on, we look at, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, the context is this, is Christ is admonishing those uh, near him not to worry about food or clothing, and that God is going to ultimately take care of them, uh, however that may be. Now, I think it's important to us that we need to, I think Christ is, is telling them that we need to stop stressing about all the things that uh, we may have to take care of, and it's all these worldly things that ultimately they don't mean a whole lot, uh, in, as far as eternity is concerned, and you know, with the abundance that we have in this in this country, I think we're in a unique situation. We could honestly give up a lot and still have absolutely everything uh, that we need. But I want to stress that putting the kingdom first should be our priority, and that means uh, uh, putting the kingdom before ourselves, before our family, uh, even in some cases maybe before our brethren as well. And we, need, we have to push aside self for this. We have to push aside our wants for this to obtain uh, this level, to do uh, what Christ said in seeking first the kingdom of, of God. Continuing on in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, it says, Now he who has received 
receive seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Now notice that the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, that's what causes one to be uh, unfruitful, allowing us allowing those things to deter us or deter our thoughts from from God, or deter ourselves from His Word. It is a very uh, real uh, possibility. Those cares keep us away from those things, keep our thoughts. Uh, it allow, it makes our thoughts stray uh, from God, and we have to understand us dwelling on those things, us dwelling on the things of the world. It's going to almost certainly. Uh, cause us to act on those worldly desires. Kind of like the same thing as we are constantly dwelling on the Word, we're going to act on those things. And it's the same way with, with dwelling on uh, these worldly things. Now, if we love these things more than God, then, you know, God is second. And you cannot serve God and mammon. So if we are putting these things first, then we're not serving God. We're simply serving mammon. We can say that we're serving God, but... We understand that's not the case. We can only serve one or the other. And if we're not, serve, if we're not serving God wholeheartedly, then we're not serving God at all. And we need, to, we need to strive to wholeheartedly, with every ounce of our being, serve Him. In Matthew chapter 6, and verse 20 through 21, it says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in the steel. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, simply put, he says, build up treasure in heaven, not in this life. Now, notice in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, it speaks of those that, uh, those that are rich do not trust in uncertain riches. That, that these riches are uncertain, these things fade. But the, this heavenly treasure, it's going to last for eternity. That's the only thing that we know is going to last. These things in this world are not going to last. And so this should set our priority on how we regard these material things, that these things don't last. Eternity, these, these heavenly treasure does last for eternity, and should, we should be working for that if we understand that we should be working for of that heavenly treasure. And notice again, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you're, if you're building that heavenly treasure, your, your heart is going to be there. You're going to be constantly thinking about God and His Word. And also, if your treasure is ultimately here, we, your heart is going to be uh, constantly on, uh, minded on the things of the world. And so that's a, it was kind of a short lesson, but I think what we have to understand that uh, these things can cause us to stray from the Lord. We have to ask ourselves, have we truly given ourselves to the Lord completely? This is total dedication. This is not half-hearted dedication. It's not uh, almost complete. It's total dedication to Him. He is the number one in our life, and we have to let Him be our master. So if any one of you here, uh, I think mostly everyone here that I know of are, that is of age are Christians but we have to understand that we have to constantly every day wake up and make the decision that we're going to serve God completely and if any of, any of uh, y'all or uh, any of us have not lived up to that and you need the prayers of the saints you need to confess anything we offer a time of invitation now and also if you need to be baptized become a Christian if you want to uh, do that uh, we will help you in any way that we know how as we stand and as we sing will you come